Welcome to the Church Basement Podcast. Today's topic is Senate Assemblies. Grab yourself a cup of coffee or tea, strap on your running shoes, or pick up those knitting needles and join us. Let us introduce ourselves. I am Pastor Amanda Zensalo, and it is my honor to serve as the pastor at Central Lutheran Church in Northeast Portland, Oregon. And I'm Don Miller, a member here at Central and the producer of the podcast. Let's start with the obvious one. What is a synod? And let's even go further back and spell that sucker. That's what I was going to say. We got to start with spelling because it's a weird one, right? It is. So it's not S-E-N-A-T-E. It's not senate. No. Right. It's a synod. S-Y-N-O-D. Okay. As in dog. So a synod is a small, a smaller area of okay. the country. Let's walk it back even farther. Please do. Today, we're going to be talking church hierarchy. Okay. Specifically the ELCA church exactly. hierarchy. So this is for the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. That is the flavor of Lutheran that we are. The analogy I like to use for this is they're like different denominations or different kinds of ice cream. So mm-hmm. you might have vanilla, you might have chocolate, but then within the vanilla, you've got different kinds of vanilla. Mm-hmm. Right? You've got French vanilla and you've got vanilla bean and all that kind of stuff. So we are Lutheran, which is the kind of ice cream we are, and we might be vanilla. All of us are vanilla, but there are different kinds of vanilla. Mm-hmm. And the ELCA... We are the largest of the major Lutheran denominations in the United States. Okay. And we are the most progressive of the denominations that are Lutheran in the United States. So there you go. Shorthand of that. So the ELCA, Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, is a national church. Okay. Which means that we have churches that all can work together to do things. And follow the same rules? We all follow the same rules. So we have similar constitutions, for example. Churchwide has their own constitution. Okay. And then churches all have a model constitution that we work off of. Okay. So the base understanding of how the church works, how it owns property, how it calls a pastor, how it disciplines a pastor, how it's organized and run, all of that is consistent across the entire country. So if you go to an ELCA church here in Portland, we are functioning by the same rules as an ELCA church in New Orleans, as an ELCA church in Nome, Alaska. Same way you're going to go to McDonald's all across the country and get the same burger. Exactly. Okay. Now we can have more nuance than McDonald's can. Okay. Right. We don't have quite the same heavy handedness to our structure that a corporate entity does, but we do have the same kind of loose boundaries. Okay. So this allows us things like we share the clergy pool. Okay. Seminaries across the country that train our clergy to the same kind of standards, the same expectations are required of pastoral staff across the country. And In that way, one, you know that all the pastors in the ELCA have the same theological standing. Okay. And the other benefits are things like shared health insurance. Okay. So congregations don't have to pay health insurance on a private market. We buy health insurance for our pastors and families from a national body. Okay. And our pensions are managed at the national body level. It also means that we're able to do work at the national level. And the international level, because when we pool all of our resources together, we can do a lot more than any one congregation can do. Okay. That means you've got to have 
a way to make decisions together. Okay. If you're going to choose to do world relief work, then as an entire denomination, you have to have ways to set your values, your standards, and those kinds of pieces. So that's where these assemblies come in. Okay. And is it starting from the congregation members or does it start higher up than that? Well, it's kind of a mix. Okay. So the ELCA is divided into nine different regions. Okay. Here in this area, we're all a part of Region 1 here in Oregon. Region 1 is Alaska, Washington, Idaho, Montana, and Oregon. That's a big region. It's a big region. And then those areas are broken down into what are called then our synods, S-Y-N-O-D, our synods. So Alaska is a synod. Oregon is a synod. Washington has enough churches within it that they actually have three synods. Okay. Southwest Washington, Northwest Washington, and Eastern Washington synod because it breaks up. Idaho is its own synod. Montana is its own synod. Uh So I think Eastern Washington is actually Eastern Washington, Idaho. I think they're paired up together. Okay. So suffice it to say that then that breaks down into these smaller areas, right? Sure. So decisions about the big stuff can come from two different directions. At the church-wide level, we have the church-wide office, and it's housed on Higgins Road in Chicago. Okay. So that's where the church-wide office is, and we have a presiding bishop, Elizabeth Eaton, who was just elected, and she's been serving. And it could be that the church-wide office decides to do something and sends it down in through the regions and down into the synodical levels and down to the congregations that way. Okay, so it can come from... The top. The top on down. It can. More often than not, it comes from the congregations all the way up. Oh, interesting. The way that this works is congregations will find something that they're passionate about, something that they care about, something that they think the church-wide organization should be paying attention to. So, for example, last year, so 2016, Uh before any elections, before anything else happened, in the spring of 2016, congregations were already concerned with rights for people who are immigrants within our country. Okay. And so some congregations in the state of Oregon put together what is called a resolution to send to the Senate Assembly. And we follow Robert's rules, right? So, whereas, blah, 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 blah. Whereas, blah, 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 blah. Therefore, blah, 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 blah. And be it resolved that, blah, 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 blah. Okay. So this is how the general order of a resolution is written. So they came together to say, whereas our scripture calls us to welcome the alien in our midst... And whereas we are called to be people of faith in this world, therefore, we should be taking public stances to assist those who are immigrants within our community by providing education and assistance and solidarity. Therefore, be it resolved that the Oregon Senate be declared a sanctuary senate. Ooh, the entire senate. The entire senate. That we might actively promote the assistance to those within our midst to our strangers. Now, that gets people signed onto it, Uh and that goes then to the assembly floor. So at Senate assemblies, how the grouping is gathered is every single congregation, ELCA congregation in the Senate, so in our case in Oregon, Uh can send their ordained pastor or pastors, depending upon how many there are, so all of the ordained clergy, and 
at a minimum, one male and one female, not representative, not delegate, but assembly members. Okay. Because they're not going as a delegate of the congregation in order to represent the congregational vote. They are going as members of this assembly to vote their conscience. Okay. And to vote as they feel called in the room at the time. Can send. So you don't have to go? You don't. Like, the bishop isn't going to censure you or... It's not going to give you a phone call saying, hey, is everybody sick? Are you okay? Eh, they you might coming? give you a phone call. Might give you a nudge. They might give you a nudge. And if you consistently choose to not participate because you're upset or angry, they might check in with you because okay. that's not healthy. It's not a helpful way to be a part of a community, right? Okay. If you can't go because your congregation can't financially afford to send people, because it's not cheap mm -hmm. to send people to a hotel and to pay for the meals and to do that kind of a thing, then the Senate will call and talk about financial assistance to get that voice heard at the assembly and to get that congregation represented at the assembly. Okay. If you're a very large congregation, you might be allotted one or two additional assembly participants. Okay. And so the top 10 largest congregations in the Oregon Senate might be able to send three, maybe four lay people, which means non-ordained individuals. Do they encourage different people to go each year? Or is it sometimes the case that certain people feel obligated year after year to make their voice heard? Some people end up really liking it. And really enjoying the process. Okay. And so they're willing to go back year after year, right? And some people have absolutely no interest in attending three days of, we start at 8.30 in the morning and we end at 9 or 10 at night. Oh, wow. Right. So some people just have no interest in doing church work for that many hours over a weekend. Sure. And some people don't have the luxury of being able to travel or take the time off of work to be able to participate. Makes sense. So it really varies. Now, one of the things that came through as a resolution and was approved at a previous Senate assembly is the encouragement for minority groups within our denomination to have more representation. Mm -hmm. So what that means is, is that we are able to bring additional people in addition to our first two assembly participants we can bring up to, I believe it's two additional people who fit into the minority categories. So that would be folks who speak English as a second language, people of color, folks who are LGBTQIA, or, and this one I think is kind of funny, people who are under the age of, I think it's 34. Oh, that is kind of funny. Because anyone who's under 34 is a minority in our denomination. I believe that. Fresh blood. <laughs> Fresh blood. So we can bring an additional younger delegate. My husband wanted our son to go. And I think the 16-year-old probably would have found that a form of torture. He, Especially he hearing have. the hours that he would have been there participating. But I have to say, I've brought youth delegates before. And they are some of the most engaged and, like, empowered when Whoa. they see the difference that they can make. It would be fascinating to see that. Yeah. And I think that maybe another year I might be able to talk you to him. might be it. able to persuade him. Might be. <laughs> I can't wait to find out. <laughs> so our Senate Assembly for this year is happening this weekend, the weekend that this podcast is coming out. And it's the 500th anniversary of the Reformation. And 
according to the emails that I've been getting, there are no resolutions Nothing? coming to the floor. Nope. Nobody has put anything forward w- so far. Wait, wait. Given the way 2016 went, given the way 2017 has started, there is, n- I mean, sure, you've taken care of the immigrants. That's a big one. Mm-hmm. But wow, mm-hmm. there should be a lot more out there, I think. But there are no resolutions that have been turned in prior to the initial deadline. Huh. Which is surprising. I think that there were lots of folks who have talked about having some things put together, but it hasn't gotten its feet underneath it enough to get all the way through the resolution phase and all the way to church council. So what are you going to do then? Well, so then there's the parts that are not so alluring or exciting about being a church, but there's business to do. Like, we need to pass a budget. For well, yeah, Senate. that's really boring stuff. Right. <laughs> so we need to pass a budget. We want to hear what's happening in our Senate. So we'll receive greetings from the bishop and hear his understanding of how the entire Senate is doing. We'll hear from the presiding bishop in a video is typically what it is. Elizabeth Eaton won't be with us this week, but we'll hear how the national church is doing and what is going on at the national church level. We'll receive greetings from Lutheran universities and the Lutheran seminaries. You know, the closest Lutheran seminary, ELCA Lutheran seminary to us is Pacific Lutheran Theological Seminary, where I attended. And there are some major changes happening at that seminary. They're actually selling the property where I attended. Wow. And they're moving downtown Berkeley, and they're now affiliated with California Lutheran University, and there's some major changes happening there. So representatives from PLTS will be there and will be able to answer questions and be able to hear our fears. So the way that that matters is then when I have a youth who is looking at seminary or an adult who's facing discernment, then when I'm talking to them about what seminary is going to be a good match for you, because they're very different schools. Mm-hmm. At times like Senate Assemblies, we get to hear from those schools and know what's going on with them. So then we can talk with information and appropriate information with folks. Hmm. So that's the kind of stuff that will happen this year. And we'll do Bible study together. We'll have worship together, big worship services. And for this year, because of the 500th anniversary of the Reformation, I am sure that we will be talking about what does that mean and how are we observing that and those kinds of pieces. So give me a breakdown of your average day. So we'll start on Friday. Uh huh. And some of us will gather early in the day to get ready for the opening worship session. I'll be helping out with that as well as a couple of our assembly participants who are coming. So we'll gather a little bit early in the morning, and then registration opens up at 11 o'clock. People begin arriving from all over the state and get themselves registered and settled into the hotel. And then at 1 o'clock, we'll have our opening worship ceremony. And it's a wonderful opportunity because we have several hundred people in the room. And for some of these folks, you know, their congregations might have an average attendance of 15 to 30 people on a Sunday. Oh, wow. Right? And so they're coming from eastern Oregon and tiny towns, and everybody comes in together, and we gather in this space, and we have some really beautiful worship. And all of the pastors in Oregon are here, so there's some good singers among the clergy. <laughs> right? Oh, yeah. Some good singing when clergy get together. And so beautiful music and a wonderful opportunity to take a diverse group of people and gather them in. So we'll have worship and 
then we'll have a little break and then we'll start our first plenary session, which will be probably reports and hearing what's been happening and we'll establish the rules of order, how things happen. Maybe if a resolution has come in last minute, it will be brought out to the floor, those kinds of things. So is this a yearly thing, a quarterly thing? It's a yearly thing. Okay. So Senate assemblies happen once a year. We're in the beginning of Senate assembly season. Okay. So all across the country, Senate assemblies are happening. But it's not the the same weekend for every congregation. No. You got some leeway. You've got leeway. And you wouldn't want it to be the same weekend for every congregation because then the poor universities and (laughs) seminaries would have to have (laughs) 65 different representatives all going to assembly the same weekend rather than having mission investment fund of the ELCA has one person who goes to all five or six or however many senates there are of us in region one. Uh She covers that whole region and maybe she covers part of region two too and attends those assemblies there's a whole section of tabling where there are groups and organizations who get tables and then they put out chocolate and when you're (laughs) bored you go walk along and you eat the chocolate and you get a like wake up hit and there are things like lutherwood for example the camp here in oregon will have a table and be there to answer your questions and encourage you to come check out Lutherwood or Reconciling Works, which is the organization for the church that talks about full inclusion of LGBTQIA individuals. And they'll have a table and someone staffing it to answer your questions. So there are elements of a garden variety conference. Absolutely. In years past, I have loved there's been like gift shoppy area okay with like the nerdy stuff so hymnals and um oh that is some nerdy stuff devotional resources and fair trade items and jewelry and tchotchkes that kind of stuff so there will be an area to like shop and browse so that's the kind of stuff that happens okay but above and beyond that one of the things that i love about the oregon senate and the way that it works here is the Senate Assembly, it's like, it, it's what I imagine it would be like to have like a great big homecoming celebration. Because so. a lot of the times you know a lot of these people, right? I'll be seeing people that I served in my first call. Okay. And we're, we're making plans to get together and have coffee or tea, right? I'll see colleagues that I don't get to see very often. I'll get to see lots of different people that throughout the years we've made connections. And it's like everyone gets into this space together and we sit in this Senate, we sit at round tables. Okay. And we don't have electronic voting machines. Some Senates have electronic voting machines. Okay. But we have cards, green cards, red cards, white cards. Oh, wow. Kicking it old school. Yeah. For yes, no, and abstain. And so when we take votes, we see how we vote together and that we are still one body. We are in the round at our tables having conversations so you can talk with the entire table. We're not at at big, long tables where you might be able to talk to the person, you know, to your north, south, east, west, maybe just the people directly next to you. But there's not enough room to really maneuver and mingle with lots of people. It's set up in this really beautiful way that promotes community and promotes participation in spending time with one another. And I love that. It's a powerful opportunity to just see how beautiful this entire group is. 
on Friday, we'll have one plenary, and then we'll have an evening meal together. And on Saturday, we'll have a morning plenary, and then afternoon workshops where you can go to different workshops depending upon what you're interested in. Mm -hmm. And then there's the anniversary dinner. And that's when people are recognized for 20 and 25 and 50 years of ordained ministry. Wow. And we have entertainment or, you know, a nice meal together. Mm -hmm. And Sunday morning, another plenary session, and then closing worship. You know, all of these pieces come together to create this environment where people can really start building long-term lasting relationships with each other. How much actually gets done in terms of work for the church itself? Like you actually passing things that are going to change the way the church works? Or is this more a giving of information? Both and. Okay. In a year like this year, it seems like it may be more informational based. But okay. I have attended Senate assemblies where it very much impacts the way that churches work. So one of the ways you know, we were talking about how do things kind of go up the chain or down mm -hmm. the chain or that sort of thing. So years and years ago, a resolution came to a Senate that was asking for a study on human sexuality. And the Senate then memorializes, takes that and sends it to the churchwide assembly. So just like we have Senate assemblies on a yearly basis, we on a multi-year basis, not every year, but we gather as a churchwide group. And so then we have a set number of assembly participants from each synod. Okay. The bishops attend, a certain number of clergy attend, and then a certain number of lay people attend. Okay. And every one of these assemblies has to be, or it is called defunct and it's not a functioning voting body, there have to be more non-ordained people than ordained people participating. Oh, interesting. The majority must be non-ordained. So you're getting the voice of the congregations themselves. That's the idea. The idea is not that the ordained clergy are the ones who set the agenda, but that it's the members of the congregations who are the ones whose voices are heard. Now, just like anything, if you want to debate me on that, you totally can, because <laughs> pastors have huge influence over sure. our members, right? So, you know, we'll be real on that. And at the same time, I deeply appreciate that it is always required that there be more non-ordained than ordained folk present. So at churchwide assembly, then, these memorials will come from the different synods, and then the churchwide body takes a vote on those kinds of larger policies. Huh. So And that can really change the structure of a church and the belief system that the church is holding, right? Well, if it changes it or if it just clarifies sometimes or takes a stance sometimes. So an easy way to understand this is to take a look at the ELCA social statements. On our website, on the ELCA.org website, you can find multiple social statements going back to the formation of this denomination. And there are statements on hot topics that people would want guidance on. So things like genetics and genetically modified things. We have a social statement on abortion. We have a social statement on violence against women. We have a social statement on human sexuality. We have a social statement on the prison system and justice within our prison systems. So a lot of these hard things that we wrestle with right now in our culture, we have social statements that have been created. And the way that those are created is they come up as resolutions and then memorials. 
And then the church-wide body says, yes, we want to make a statement on this. And then as a whole denomination, we study and we have conversation about it. And a statement is drafted. And then that is sent out to the church-wide body. And every congregation is able to do a study or not do a study as they wish, participate, give feedback, have conversations it gets revised, it goes back to the people, gets revised, goes back to the people. And eventually, the finished proposed statement goes before the church-wide assembly. And the church-wide assembly takes a vote on whether or not to adopt that policy statement. Huh. So the big one that people know of from recent memory in the ELCA is the 2009 Social Statement on Human Sexuality. That social statement had three be it resolved one of the resolutions was that we as a whole church body understand that we are diverse and that we will live within the bound conscience of one another, that we will agree to disagree, and that we value participating and remaining in relationship with one another above being right. Interesting. So that was the first resolution out of that document. And it passed. That one passed really easily. The next to be it resolved as include the capacity for LGBTQ individuals who are in publicly accountable lifelong monogamous relationships to become ordained pastors within our denomination. And so that vote was a much closer vote when it came to the required number of votes for it to pass. Uh What was amazing to see was how the presiding bishop managed that room and managed that space. It was a very tension-filled space. I bet. And it was something that we had been working, the denomination had been working toward for over a decade, well over a decade. Mm -hmm. And the repercussions then, of course, are that a few congregations within our denomination left the denomination. Mm -hmm. Now, in a denomination that has over 10,000 congregations, a one or two percent, I don't want to say loss, but one or two percent of those congregations leaving is not a huge attrition rate. Now, for every single congregation that stepped away from the ELCA, there's a ton of pain Mm -hmm. and a ton of hurt. So it may be that over the course of the few years right after the 2009 decision that several hundred congregations left, in a denomination of several thousand, it's not quite as traumatic on the large scale, as people definitely felt on the local scale. Oh, sure. And in some synods, that was a much harder decision than in other synods. And in some areas of different synods, it's going to be an easier decision than others. Sure. But when it comes to the social statements on genetics or the social statement on prison reform, many in the church didn't even know that those were being voted on. Huh. It really depends on how much people pay attention. But all of that work is done because people have taken things from their congregations that they care about to their Senate assemblies, to the national church body. Having grown up Catholic, that is completely and utterly mind-blowing to me because that structure purely is top-down. Yeah. Fascinating. The only thing I can even think of that is remotely top-down is the church-wide council set up and requested significant fundraising to happen over the last five years because they wanted to be able to give grants 
and do things in the church in a way that they didn't have the financial capacity to do. And so the most top-down thing I've ever experienced from the ELCA was this idea that there would be a national fundraiser for the national church. Now, that being said, our congregation is benefiting from that because we have received one of the grants that has come out of that fundraising. So again, they do it in order to give back out to the people. It's all part and parcel of getting to be a part of something bigger in order to enhance what you can do as a whole body. Fascinating. Okay, last question. All right. So, so far, this has all sounded very, you know, kumbaya. (laughs) Hit me with a worst memory from one of these. There's got to be something in there. All right. I have two. One, many, many of the hotels that we are at don't keep their coffee canisters and their hot water canisters separate. Oh, no. Is it tea drinker who's had tea out of somebody else's coffee container? That's nasty. Right? It matters. And when you're starting at 830 in the morning. Oh, it really matters. And you're going all the way through and you're an introvert. Not having caffeine that tastes good is pretty awful. That's just brutal. Right? And so personal self-care is So you bring your own? I try to get a big giant tea before I show up. (laughs) Nice. I make sure I know where the local closest Starbucks is. Nice. There's a lot of effort that goes into making sure I get the right taste of caffeine. Woe to you if this ends up in some podunk little town that has not a lot of services available. There's always a Starbucks. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. The other was the one year when I was serving down in Ascension. And I had gone on a walk during a break, and I had an allergic reaction Oh no! to something on Hayden Island or Jansen Beach, uh-huh. That's, which is where this year's assembly is happening. So you're well. not going outside is what you're saying. I avoid going outside <laughs> on Jansen Beach. Like, I just don't do it because I ended up at Legacy Emanuel. I oh, ended up no. in the ER, face blown up and being pumped full of Benadryl because I had a major anaphylaxis-style allergic reaction. Oh, that's horrible. To something at Chanson Beach. So, Are you sure you're not allergic to a Senate Assembly? It's not Senate Assembly that I'm allergic to. It's that island. And so the next day when I was hopped up on Benadryl, <laughs> nice. those plenary sessions were a little bit fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> So pray for me this weekend that I do not spend a lot of time outside. (laughs) Excellent. Well, thank you, Pastor Amanda, for taking the time to help us learn a little more about Synod Assemblies. I look forward to sitting down with you another day on another topic. As do I. And thank you for joining us and learning a little bit more about how the church works in big ways. It really is wonderful. If you are curious about attending a Senate Assembly and you are a member of an ELCA congregation, talk to your pastor. I am sure that they would love to invite you to attend one year. Until we are back in your ears again, thank you for listening. Contact us with your comments and questions at podcast at centralportland.org or on Facebook. We would love to hear from you. Enjoy the growing heat and the summer sun. And until we are in your ears again, remember, God loves you, no matter what.